If you want to open up in Isaiah chapter 35, please open up there. But listen to what the word says. My brother came here this morning. He opened up the scripture. He didn't know what I was going to preaching about. But he confirmed the message this morning. Amen? Are we on, brother? We've all going. It says, a highway shall be there and a road. And a road. And it shall be called, listen to this now, the highway of holiness. Everybody say, highway of holiness. This is so wonderful, Lord. He says, and a highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called a highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but, everybody say but, it shall be for others, whoever, everybody say whoever, walks the road, although a fool shall not go astray. (laughs) I'm going to preach today about the path of God. The path of God. And where did this come from? As you know, last week we studied in 1 Peter chapter 4. Remember what I said last week? I said last week in uh, the next couple of weeks and months, you need to study 1 Peter chapter 4 so much. You remember this, Alison? That if I take your Bible, if I come and drink a coffee and you put your Bible down like that, like that, and you let it go, it poops, falls over in what place? 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4, go and study that chapter, so wonderful. You know, I could have changed the topic here today, I could have changed the name as the highway of holiness. I want to talk to you about the path of God, and it flows out, it flows out of last week, and I want to remind you, I want to remind you in 1 Peter chapter 4, some words here which is so powerful, listen, 1 Peter chapter 4, when it says the following, it says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us, if you haven't listened to this, go and listen to last week's message. Since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves. You remember that's a military term. He says, make your mind militant against sin. I'm not going to preach that sermon over again. Make your mind militant against sin. And then he continues on to say, uh, you also with your same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 2, that he no longer, everybody say no longer, should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Everybody, I know I'm like a school teacher and that's what I am, but just repeat it after me if you will, the will of God. You see, these words are important for me this morning. He says that we should no longer live according to the lust of the man, the lust of the flesh, but for the will of God. Verse 3, for we have spent enough. Enough is enough. He says we spent enough of your past lifetime doing the will of the Gentiles. You get the will of God and then you get the will of the flesh. The will of God and the will of the flesh. And my brother came here this morning and he opened up in the Bible and we talk about the highway of holiness. 
when I put this online and when I record this online, I may change the name of the sermon to the highway of holiness. If you've got a pen here this morning, and if you do make notes, write down these words. The will of God will bring you into the path of God. And my brother, listen to me, brother Aaron, the path of God is holy ground. Write that down. The will of God will bring you into the path of God. Nothing else. Not your works. Your best works will not bring you into the path of God. Forget it. Because the flesh fights against God. The Bible says our flesh is at enmity, is an enemy of God. Our natural thoughts is an enemy against God. Our natural man go down the way of the will of the Gentiles. But the will of God will bring you into the path of God, into that highway of holiness. That's where he's going to bring you. I'm going to ask you quickly the question, where do you want to walk? Young man, young woman, sir, madam, whatever you want to be called, where do you want to walk? Do you want to walk into your own path, into the will of the Gentiles, where you came from in your past life, or do you want to walk in the will of God? For I know this for a fact, and I'm going to show it to you today, that the will of God will bring you into the path of God, and the path of God is holiness. You see, brothers and sisters, God wants us to walk with Him. God wants us to walk in His path. That is God's will. He wants us to do that. There's no other want for God for us to do. He wants us to live a way that He wants us to live. We sang the songs this morning. I shared it with my wife. I said, this is what I'm going to preach about. She picked and selected the songs to fit with the sermon. But when my brother walked up here this morning, he was talking about the highway of holiness. Are you on the highway of holiness this morning? Are you on that highway? I know what you're going to say if you're a purist of the word. Oh, but Jesus said narrow is the way. But once you're on that narrow way, it becomes a highway of holiness. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that neat? Isn't that pure? You see, God wants us to walk with him this morning. God wants you to put all of your trust in him this morning. God wants you to put all of your problems on him this morning. He says, cast thy burdens unto me. Cast them unto him. God wants your whole life. He just don't want your devotions. He wants everything of you. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, he says, I beseech you, I urge you, brothers, to give your lives as a living sacrifice. Not when you're dead, but while you're alive. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Give your lives as a living sacrifice. What are you giving God? What way are you on? Where are you walking? What are you holding yourself busy with? God wants you this morning to walk in His path. He wants you to walk on that highway of holiness. I love that. It's got a nice ring to it. It's not my words. We use the words of God. You see, in Micah chapter 6 verse 8, He says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. Who can say here? Who can testify about the goodness of God? 
Can you put up your hand this morning? Can you honestly put up your hand and say, Lord, I know about your goodness. I look at my life. I look where I come from. I look where I'm today. And it's all about your goodness. The goodness of God is so good. And he says there, Micah, he says, he's shown you, oh man, what is good. He's, he's shown us the way. He's shown us what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? If he, if he comes to you this morning and he looks you in the eye and he, and he stares you down and he says, I come to you, I've given you every single good thing I've done. What does he require from you? Your works? Your best efforts? No, no. He says it right there. He requires of you that you do justly and love mercy. Who knows what mercy means? Mercy means not giving somebody what they deserve. Love mercy. Somebody do you wrong. They deserve to get your full wrath upon them. Don't give it to them. Love mercy. Because we were born in sin and we deserve the full wrath of God. You and I. And what did he give us? His wrath. No, no, he went to the garden of Gethsemane and he drank the cup of wrath on your and my behalf. He loves mercy. And all God asks of you is to love mercy. And everybody say walk. To walk humbly with your God. You see, this is so wonderful. We see a man like Enoch in Genesis chapter 5 verse 21. He lived 65 years and he begot Methuselah. And after he got begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years. Is there anybody in this place who's going to become 300 years old? <laughs> I mean, take your youth out. I was, the Lord saved my soul in my 20s. I'm not going to come close to those years. I've only got a short space of time to walk with the Lord. And then people complain about walking with Him one day. Here is a man who walked with Him so long. I, I want to, the epitaph on my gravestone or in your gravestone should be, and he or she walked with the Lord. How wonderful would that be? No other nonsense. No, he was a great father and all of these things. If people, if people have to say something about you when you're not here anymore, all they need to say is like they said to Enoch, and Enoch walked with God. Is that what people say about you? Is that? And Enoch walked with God. 300 years, and he had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years old. And then we come back to verse 24. And Enoch walked with God, and was not for God took him. Just an alert here, that points for me to the rapture. We're going to walk with the Lord still on this earth when all of these dark clouds comes around and all of your troubles and problems and everything multiplies. And if you walk with the Lord, He's going to come around because the Bible promised that He's going to come on the clouds to receive us unto His own and we will be not anymore. Can you shout hallelujah to that? Come on church, can you say amen? amen. Are you looking forward to that day? But while we are here, we need to do the work of the Lord, save souls. Not we can't save them, but we share the gospel. You see, Enoch walked with the Lord. Colossians 1 verse 9, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. You see, here Paul prays for the church in Colossa. And what does he ask the Lord to give that church? He says, 
that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. That's my prayer for this church. That's the prayer every day in my life for my life as well. Lord, I want to know the knowledge of Your will because I want to walk in Your will. Because if I walk in Your will, Your will will take me into the path of God and the path of God is holy ground. And, and He says, I pray for His will, all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? That you may walk worthy of the Lord. You see, the Lord wants you to walk with Him. He wants you to walk with Him. Fully pleasing Him. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And then we see Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 6. He says, Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in His ways and to fear Him. Brothers and sisters, all I've got for you today is scriptures. I haven't got nice little stories, okay? I wasn't going to ask you if it's, I hope it's all right, because I know if I give you the word of God, it's living. The one thing that I find out of these scriptures, Romans chapter 13, 13, let us walk properly, properly, as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not to strive and to envy. I see so much of these things happening in the church today. I see all of these things, but, but Paul says to this church in Rome, he says to them, walk properly. The word there for properly, when you go to the Greek, it means to walk honestly and to walk honorable. Are you walking honorable and honestly? What is the opposite of honestly and honorable? The opposite is all of these things here. Revelry, drunkenness, lewdness, lust, and strife, and envy. No, no, he says we shouldn't walk like that. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. I hope you get the theme here. The highway of holiness. I hope you see that. I hope you see that God wants you to walk with him. He says, for we are his workmanship. Who's working on you? No pastor, no other person, no mom and dad. If you come into his will, he will work on you. You will come into his path. Created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, brothers and sisters, we are called to walk with the Lord in the path of the Lord. Are you walking in his will? Are you walking in his path? Are you on the highway of holiness? You say, oh, but you don't know me. Yes, I don't. You're right, but God knows you. And you know what? God has got mercy and grace for you. And this is what I want to give you this morning. So you see, it is so that man has got a way that he walks, and God has got a way, the way of the Gentiles and the will of God. And the will of God will bring you into the path of God, and the path of God is holy ground. God wants us to walk with Him. God wants us to walk in His path. I, want, I hope that, that resonates with you and stay with you afterwards. Now, I want to give you an example of this, okay? Remember last week I spoke about halfway house. Let's get to halfway house. Open up in Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to come and I'm going to show you what are the statement that I made this morning. I'm going to show it in the Word of God. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. For the first time we hear a man coming on the scene. His name is Abram. He says, now the Lord has said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house. Three things. To a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, I will bless you, and I will make your name great. 
and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and you, all the families of the earth, shall be blessed, and we are. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. I want you to see these words here, because there's a message in the Old Testament for us. He says here that he was 75 years old when he departed from Iran. God appears to Abram. He says, I want you to get out of your country, Abram. I want you to get out of your family. And I want you to get out of your father's house. That is his support network. God says, I want you to get out of your support network. I want you to get away from that. And then we read on and we see how God is going to bless him. With he's still today on that nation. And then Abram departs as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. You see, there's Mr. Lot. And I've got so many messages around Lot. And it says that he departed from Haran. Haran, uh, the word for Haran, they means it's a past and dry place. So here is Abram. He gets the word of the Lord to go out of Ur of the Chaldeans. And then he comes to a place which is a dry place. It's called Haran. I want you to hang in and listen carefully because this is going to beautifully open for you. He comes to Iran and then in, here in the book of Genesis says that then he left Iran with Lot. But something happened there which I'm going to show you in the New Testament. Another word or a bit more likely word for Iran could mean road or crossroads. Because this is where Abram found himself. Let's look at verse 5. Then Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they have acquired in Haran, there's that dry place again, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. Canaan is the opposite of Haran. Haran is a dry and parched place. Canaan is a land of milk and honey. So they came to the land of Canaan, and Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem. And as far as the terebinth trees of Moray and the Canaanites were in the land. You see, Canaan was the promised land that God promised Abraham. He says, I want you to get out of your, your, your land, away from your family, out of your father's house, to a place that I will show you. And we know now with the Bible that it was Canaan land where God wanted to take him. The promised land. This place here, by the way, Shechem, is a very important place. If you go right through, it's in the middle of Canaan, but if you go right through the Old Testament, you will see there's a lot of things written about this place. A lot of things happen in Shechem, but that's a different message. I want you to follow it here. Abraham, I want you to come out. I'm going to take you to a promised land. Canaan, the land of milk and honey. But here he's stuck in Iran, a dry place. In Genesis 12 verse 7, he says, Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called the name of the Lord. It is so wonderful, brothers and sisters, as you move out of Iran, go towards the promised land, we read for the first time that Abraham is starting to build altars. An altar is a place to meet God. 
An altar is a place to offer sacrifices for sin. An altar is a place to show submission to, to God. And it's a place of worship to God. Have you got altars in your life? Are you building altars in your life? I'm not talking in your house. You've got this little shrine there in the corner of your house. And you go there and kneel every time at the shrine. As they do in Asian countries. That's not what it is. It is a place of worship. It's a place where you meet God. And Abraham comes out of this land. He comes away from Iran. And now he's starting to build altars. And he pitches his tent. You see, when you pitch a tent, it's temporary. It's not permanent. I'm asking you again, have you all got altars in your life? I do. And you do. We all got altars. You see, Christ is our altar. The cross is the place where we meet God. The total sacrifice happened at the cross. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, he says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. We do have an altar. God gave us an altar, a place where we can come to God. And this is the ultimate place. When we come to the cross once... Listen to me. Once he saved your soul. We don't repeatedly go back. Once we come, this is why we don't have to build like, like Abraham an altar here, an altar there, and an altar there. No. When Christ Jesus came and the cross happened, we went to the cross. And what happened there? He totally forgave you your sins. Listen to me. Past, present, future. That is the ultimate cross, the ultimate altar that God has built for you and for me. Have you understand what I said? We've got an altar. Like Abraham built an altar. It is the message of the cross. 1 Corinthians 2.2 2, I determined not to know anything amongst you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Not only do we have an altar like Abraham, but we also have a tent. Did you know that? We also have tent. We live here on this earth as tent. Our body is a tent. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1, he says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in heaven. Do you think he was talking about physical building? I don't want them to come and destroy this building. It's not ours. I mean, it's a funeral home. Hello? It belongs to somebody else, but he talks about this. It's a tent. So Abram came out. I want you to follow the picture here. Abram came out. And once he came out of Haran, that dry past place, now he's on his way to Canaan. And what happens here? He starts building these altars. Places where he can worship God. Places where he can sacrifice to God. Places where he can meet God. He pitched his tents. He didn't make it a permanent habitation. And he followed on. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven. I've got a passport, a Kiwi passport, a New Zealand passport. It says that I'm a citizen of New Zealand. So I've got double citizenship. You go, oh, you've got South African and New Zealand passport. No, no, no. I've got a heavenly citizenship. And I've got a Kiwi passport. Amen. Have you got that? From which we also eagerly wait for the Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform this lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he's able to even subdue all things to himself. My brother Andre, we're going to get a new body, brother. 
<laughs> you know, the older I get, the more I feel I need a new body. Is it you as well? <laughs> you get into the motor car and you go, oh, there's a pain in this knee. It wasn't there yesterday. Now I'm getting in there and I'm going, I better watch out for this knee to get in the car. And now I'm looking so concentrated that this knee doesn't get hurt. And once I get in, I got a, a pain on this hip here a bit. And I go, where did that come from? Now next time I'm getting in, I'm trying to look at my knee and my hip and then I rub my shoulder. No, no, no. We're going to get a new body. Praise the Lord. This is a lowly body. It amazes me that this is a lowly body, but people spend so much time and effort and money on it. I mean, you look at some of these stars in Hollywood. They pump stuff into their faces. They want to look younger. That's not going to work. Can somebody just let them know? Text them, TikTok them, whatever you want to do. Just let them know that if you come to the way of Christ, if you're coming to the will of God and you are saved, you're going to get a brand new body. So wonderful. We pitch our tents just like Abram dad. Now, I want to take that story. Now, I just want to show you something here because I think it's really significant. When we go back, oh, there's something I want to say about that as well. But he, it says here that he left Haran. You remember? When he departed from Haran. Genesis don't give us the insight as we're going to see in a minute. But before we get there, I want to show you some beautiful things out of the Old Testament. You get some of these little germs in there. Here is the word Bethel. What does that mean? House of God. This place is called Bethel, House of God. Okay? And then we've got this name I here. Look at this now. He says he moved from there to the east of Bethel. So he didn't stay in Bethel. He pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. You want to know what I means? I means a heap of ruin. A heap of ruin. Now take your life today. We can't always sit here. We have to go our way into this world. And you know what happens? Sometimes we are sitting there. It is the house of God, and then you've got ruins, and we live between these two. Is that where God wants you, to live between the two? No, He doesn't want you to live between the two. But it's just interesting to see how these names have got meaning. And I don't know. Maybe we're going to be one day in heaven and I'm going to sit there with Jesus and say, Jesus, you know, I just want to discuss this with you. I read this in the book of Genesis and it was so beautiful. You've got Bethel and on the west and you've got Abraham and you've got I on the east. Surely you gave us a message that that's not where you... And you know what he might say? No, there was no message in that. I just wrote it like that. We don't know, brothers and sisters, but one day we will know. Let me take you to Stephen, because I'm going to show you something interesting now. Stephen writes about the same, or talks about the same, the same here. In, in Acts chapter 7, verse 2, when they got Stephen in front of these Pharisees, he says these words about Abraham. He says, and he said, brethren and fathers, listen. The glory of God appeared to Father Abram when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Iran. Everybody see that? When you go to Genesis, he didn't mention that. He just said when he was 73 years old, he left Iran. Now, Stephen says to us, wait a minute, he lived in Mesopotamia. This is where the word of God came to him, in Ur of the Chaldeans. Ur of the Chaldeans represents sin. It represents idolatry. He lived amongst people who worshipped 
idols. He lived in a sinful nation. And this is where the Word of God came to him. He says, before he dwelt in Iran, and he said to him, get out of your country and from your relatives. Come to the land which I will show you. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans, and he dwelt in Iran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to this land in which you now dwell. This is significant, because it teaches us a lesson. What do you mean by that? I'm saying to you today, the will of God will bring you into the path of God, and that place is holy ground. This is how it looks. You remember that when he was in Mesopotamia, God spoke to Abraham. He says, Abraham, I want you to get out of your country. Three things, out of your family and out of your father's house. So what did Abraham do? He started to obey God. He started to come into the will of God, but not totally, because he took with him his father. He took with him Lot. It was a big group of people, and then he came to this place which is called Haran. And there he stayed. He made it a permanent place. You see, that's a permanent dwelling there. And there he stayed. And there he stayed. And he lived there. And sometimes he might have thought, this is the land that God gave me. This is the promise that God gave me. So I'm going to bring you into a land. But this is now what we know as a dry place. We know this as a crossroads. Is this where God wanted him to be? That's not God where God wanted him to be. God wanted to bring him into Canaan. And, but that's where he is. Until his father died. Now God didn't say to him there, Abram, take your father with you. But what did he do? He took his father with him. God didn't say to him, take your family with you or your relatives. He says, come out of them. And there is a permanent place. Brothers and sisters, there's a lot of people in the church today who is sitting in Iran. They are sort of in the world and they are sort of with God. They are sort of giving parts of their life to God, but they're keeping a hold of their father. Why do you think God said he needs to get away from his father? Because of the influence of the idols which was embedded in his father. It was so entrenched. I speak sometimes to people and I say to them, God wants you to come out. He wants you to be born again. And they say, but my great-great-grandfather did all of these things. He was in this other church, and that's how they do things. They, they were in the Catholic church. You know, my grandfather died in the Catholic church, and I feel that that's the right way, and I don't want to offend my family. God says here, I want you to get out of them. And a lot of people is sitting, sitting in Iran. Something's got to die. And what is that? The old man. You come to the cross of Christ and the old man die once and for all. And here he says it now. He started walking on towards Canaan when his father died. But there's a problem. He took Lot with him, you remember? And we're going to see that Lot is giving him a lot of problems as he's going to continue. And so it is. There's two kinds of people in the church. They are the people who is called by God who respond to His Word, who comes into the will of God, who walks in the path of God, who walks in holy ground, and then you find the lot kind of people in the church. And that's the rest of them, isn't it? The lot of them. No, it's not that way. But the lot people are the people who are sitting and they're attaching them onto the people with the anointing of God. 
Oh, they will sing hallelujah and praise the Lord just like the, the, the people. But they are always the Lot people and they cause us problems. How much problems did Lot cause, cause Abraham? A lot of problems. And here we find it now. They move on. Abraham started moving away when his father, and now he comes into the will of God. God said to him, leave. I believe 100% in my heart that if he didn't take his father off or his family with him, this wouldn't have happened. Iran wouldn't have happened. Why did it happen? It's a lesson for us. The Bible says in Corinthians, all of these things happen as examples for you and for me. Have you, are you still sitting in Iran this morning? Are you still sitting there? Is there still stuff that's holding you back? You see in Exodus, let's follow Moses now. Here we see Abram, he came out of that. Moses, then Moses said, he was walking, he's looking after his uh, grandfather's, uh, his, his uh, father-in-law's sheep, and he's walking, and then he saw this burning bush. And then Moses, he said, I will turn aside and see what is this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him. From the midst of the bush. And he said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And what does he say? He said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place you stand is holy ground. You see, brothers and sisters, the will of God will bring you into the path of God. He was walking with his sandals, representing his own life. He was walking in his own sandals. And God says, your way is not going to make it anymore. My way is holy. Take off the shoes of your feet. I want you to walk in my way, the holy highway. Are you still in Iran this morning? Or are you in the will of the Gentiles this morning? You see, the will of God is so wonderful, brothers and sisters. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, it says, For this is the world, this is a good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be safe and to come to the knowledge of the truth. You see, the will of God is in our lives. He wants us to be saved, to come to the cross. He calls this morning, he says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And maybe you have come to repentance this morning. Are you walking in his ways? Now, brothers and sisters, I'm not preaching that you should start doing a lot of works. Because when they came to Jesus in John, they said, what is the works that we should do? And he says, believing on the Son, on Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that you should start to go away now and start doing a lot of good things and trying to be a good boy or girl. No, that's not what it is. When we come to the cross, what happens? He saves you. He makes you whole again, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. He restores you, and then He brings you into the path of God. And then, when you walk in the path of God, it is holy ground. Now, who makes the path holy? You, the by far not. It is God. You see, this means that if you walk into your office, I work in the world, I work in a secular place, I walk into the office, and when I walk into the office, guess what? It is holy ground. Because of me, no. I'm walking in the path of God. 
You know, I want to, I, I submitted to the will of God and he put me in his path and, and I can go down to, to the supermarket and when I walk into the supermarket and I walk in the will of God and he works through me. My brother, when you sit in, in Gold Coast, you're on holiday. God's never on holiday, by the way. But when you're on holiday and you sit there and you look out, you walk in the path of God and where the path of God is, it is holy ground. It is holy ground. And I'm not saying that we walk with a spiritual uh, you know, haughtiness around and we think that we are small little gods. We are not small little messiahs. No, no. By the grace of God, he brings us into his path. And where his path is, there is holy ground. Moses, take off the shoes from your feet. See, the will of God. Uh, just three more scripture verses and then we'll finish. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, he says, For this is the acceptable in the sight of God, that we be saved. Second Peter, he says, God is not slacking, willing that we should, should not perish, but shall come to repentance. Ezekiel 18, verse 23, Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die? God asked this question. Do you think God is happy that the wicked die without him? No. He says, and not that they should return from their ways and live. This is what God wants. Now, when we walk in the will of God, He will bring us into His path. Psalm 8, 86 verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to hear your name. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Sanctification. You know, it's so interesting when you go in the Bible, and so many people love to quote this verse. You know, without holiness, it's impossible to see God. What kind of holiness is he talking about there? If you understand and understand that word and go and see, you will see that that word holiness there is the same word as sanctification. And what does the word sanctification mean? We are cut off from sin. We are cut off from sin. This is why God is holy. The angels sit around him in the, in the book of Ephesians. And what is, the, what, what is uh, uh, Isaiah saying in the book of Isaiah? He says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. What does it mean? It means that he's sanctified and set apart, cut off from what we, we came from. Amen? So where are you this morning? I showed you Abraham. God called him out. God said, Abraham, I want you to come into my will. God wants you to be saved. And once you come into this will, he will lead you in his path. And once you're in his path, remember this. He says, you are standing on holy ground. Brothers and sisters, we are serving a holy God. How wonderful. Are you sitting in Iran this morning? Cut off. Are you sitting there? Is God still working with you? Are you still in a dry place? I want you to move on from there. In fact, God wants you to move to the promised land. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning. You are so wonderful, Lord, and your word is so true. Father, this morning as we come to you, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the liberty in Christ. We thank you, Lord, that when he paid our price on the cross for our sin in his blood, that it was a perfect price to pay. And Father, this morning as we come to you, I pray, Lord, if there's people who are still living in the world and still trying to live for you, Father, that you will bring them out of Iran. Speak to their hearts. Speak to them to move on to the place where you want them to be. And Father, I pray that you guide us in wisdom and understanding. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord.